Everybody good? Good, good? All right, get out your Bible tonight and uh, go to John chapter 14. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much tonight for this time we have together to be in your word. Thank you for your, your anointing. Thank you for the power of God that's present in this place. Lord, we draw upon uh, your spirit. We draw upon revelation, knowledge, and understanding, truth that makes us free. Lord, may each person uh, have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts open and receptive. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, John 14 and verse 16, Jesus said here, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. Who's going to abide with us forever? Another helper. We know that helper, who He is. He is the Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking the last couple of weeks about this subject. Well, my title anyway is The Dynamic Duo. Okay, and uh, what we're doing is talking about our relationship with, our working relationship with the Holy Spirit and how we are to have cooperation in the earth, He and us working together to get the work of God, to get the will of God done in the earth. And we know this, and this is what we need to be stirred up upon, uh, that the Lord is not doing stuff aside from us. He, he is not working outside of his body, and we could look at it this way as well. Jesus is the head. We are the body, the body of Christ. Does your head do anything without your body? <laughs> or do they function together? Likewise, that's how the Lord works in the earth today. And the Holy Spirit is not revealed to us to be the doer of the work of God, of miracles, of, of, of all the things that happen, but he's revealed to be the helper. In other words, if he's helping, who's doing? Well, that's supposed to be us, all right? He is in your life as a believer to help you do the will of God and the work of God. But if I sit back and I don't do anything, or if I take the, the approach that, well, if God wants to, he will. When God decides to do something, he will do it. Then we're not going to have anything ha happen because, again, he is waiting for me to do so he can help, all right? He's not interested in me doing it on my own either for us to just take on all the responsibility and say, well, I've got to get this done. Well, no, we've got to get this done. The Holy Spirit and I, and, and, and you and the Holy Spirit, you have to get things done. But until we learn to take a step of faith and step out in the anointing and the power of God, nothing will happen. God doesn't want us to stand back and watch, okay? He designed a working relationship whereby we do and He helps. Some have the idea, and, and some of these thoughts sound real good at times, but um, we think when God does something and it's really him, then he gets all the glory. And so it's best if we are kind of not involved. Therefore, God gets all the glory and no one is confused. And everybody knows that it's God that did it. And in other words, if we were to have, uh, you know, some healings, physical healings like we had testimonies of uh, in the meeting tonight, it would be best, again, with this logic, 
it would be best if we all just sat back, nobody said anything, nobody did anything, and God just came in and did it. That way, we could all uh, not be confused at all, and we would know, well, this was obviously the Lord. Nobody did a thing. That almost sounds logical, doesn't it? It almost sounds like it makes sense. That way, He gets all the glory. But how many know we are instructed, we're given direction to give Him the glory. And if He's doing it all by Himself without our involvement, I don't even need to be told to give Him the glory. Hmm. In other words, there is a possibility that when God uses us, we could step back and say, see what I did? Otherwise, we wouldn't have to be instructed and told to have the right attitude and to give the glory to the one who deserves it, if that were not a possibility. You say, that's kind of risky on God's part. (laughs) Well, in one sense, yes, a person could get high-minded. A person could get full of pride. But that's why we're told not to. Don't do that. Again, we wouldn't be told not to if it were not a possibility. But God is not doing these things independent of us. He does them through us. And part of the reason why sometimes it's the, the, the move of God's Spirit is spoken of in that way that, you know, we just kind of sit back and God does it because that's easy. And that gets us off the hook. It takes all the faith out of our hands. Everybody know what I'm talking about. If the Lord moves that way, that's the way He gets things done, I would like that too. I could, in my life, I could just sit back. And if in our services, I'm just taking a seat. Okay, God, go ahead. It takes zero faith on my part. I don't ever have to act. I don't have to speak. I don't have to command in the name of Jesus. I don't even have to believe the word. (laughs) I can sit back and what? Watch. That is flesh. Now, don't get me wrong. Do Do I like that? Yes. It's fun to watch God move. Because sometimes you watch him move through another person. That's, that's, that's fun. But to be involved in the process requires faith. Requires action. Requires obedience. Requires sensitivity to his spirit. There's some spiritual operations that we must be in tune with. For God to move mightily and do great things. But again, it is a working relationship that we have with Him. He's not doing it by Himself, and we're not doing it by ourselves. But if we'll learn to work with Him, then you become a dynamic duo, right? Then you can get great things accomplished. Now, now look at John chapter 5 with me. Okay, to, to understand this concept, we, not, we must know, of course, that we have been given power and authority to operate on God's behalf. Uh, you might recall I taught a message uh, not too long ago about 
I don't remember the title, but talked about the name of Jesus, talked about the authority that we have in his name and how we um, have, have been given power of attorney to operate on his behalf when we speak in his name or we pray in his name. It's the same as if Jesus were doing it himself. And so we, when we recognize the power and authority that God has invested in his, his people, in his children, in, in believers, then we know we've got something that we can then act on. If a person thinks, I'm nothing, I don't have anything, I can't do anything, uh, you're useless for the kingdom. I know that's kind of strong language, but if you think, I'm just a nothing, man, again, you're not helping. Now, if you say, in and of myself I can do nothing, well, you're scriptural, but follow that up with, in Him all things are possible. In Him I can do all things. That's when a person becomes effective in the kingdom of God, not by just saying, oh, I'm nothing, I'm a waste of flesh, I can't do anything, He's everything, I'm nothing. You know, well, He's the God of nothing then. No, He's God, He's in charge, He's the main man, He gets all the glory and praise, and I thank Him for filling me with His grace, His power, giving me His name, giving me His word. Now I can act, and He backs me up. Now when I work, He does the work with me. Okay, and so we do nothing apart from him. But 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 in, in John chapter five, look at verse nineteen. John five nineteen. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you that the Son can do nothing of himself. What we're talking about is the same thing that Jesus dealt with. We're no different from Jesus in this regard. He lived a sinless life. That, that, that's a difference there. But as far as the operation of God and the work of God flowing through him, same way that it works through believers today. Okay? He, the son can do nothing of himself. Again, we need to have this thought clarified in our mind uh, that Jesus did not go around doing miracles and the great things that he did because he was the son of God. Because he was Jesus or because he was divine. Because Jesus stripped himself of all those attributes we read in, in Philippians chapter 2. And he operated and functioned on the earth as a man anointed by the Spirit. Just like we do. So we can say uh, as well, uh, the sons, gender neutral, the sons of God can do nothing of themselves, us. But Jesus said, but he uh, it goes on to say, but what he sees the Father do for whatever he uh, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. In other words, the Father taught him, showed him how to act, showed him what to do, and, and taught him how to operate in that power. And you might look at the ministry of Jesus and read the stories. It sure seems like Jesus could do stuff of himself. I mean, if you were just observing it, why do you think he had to tell them this? It was not obvious that Jesus could do nothing of himself. If you were watching him, you would think, man, Jesus, he's got it all. He's got the stuff. He did, but he had to draw their attention to the fact that it wasn't of him. In other words, it looked like it was. And how should it look with us? Same way. It looks just like you're doing it. People are being changed. Miracles are happening. And it looks like you're doing it. We have to tell them. No, it's the Lord. I can't do anything of myself. 
but whatever I hear, whatever I see, what, what the Lord has instructed me to do and what He has given me to operate in, that's why I can do this. Again, but how does it look? It looks like you're doing it. But what's the big deal with that anyway? We're children of God. I mean, kids oftentimes do act like their parents. Someone say, you're just acting like God. I think he's glorified in that. Don't they say, what a, uh, what's that saying about the greatest form of flattery is, is, is uh, imitation? And uh, again, we're not, flattery is not necessarily a positive thing, but, it, you know, as far as praise go, God's glorified when you start acting just like he does. Amen. And you start talking just like him and people think, wow, you are powerful. And then we, when we have the opportunity, we say, but I couldn't do anything of myself. It's all of him. But it sure looks like you're doing it by yourself. Sure looked like Jesus was. You can't tell from the outside, but this is this working relationship. You're visible. The Holy Spirit is not. It's always going to be that way while we're here on the earth. People are going to see us. And so we keep our heart right. We keep our attitude right. And we make sure that we're humble before God. That is very much important. But from the outside, they're not going to know the difference. And we're just going to point them to Jesus every chance we get. Look at Matthew chapter 10 with me. Talking about working with the Holy Spirit. Of course, Jesus was walking around. What was he using? Well, he was using the anointing. And, and, and he, you know, of course, taught from Isaiah, and he talked about how the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. That's why he was able to do the things that he did, because there was anointing there. And that's kind of a little bit of a different subject. It's connected, but as believers, we all have an anointing. We all have the Spirit of God in our lives. And so basically, we need to learn to use what we've, what we've been given. I, I find this interesting over here in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. Lord Jesus sending out, uh, sending out the 12 disciples. And, uh, and it says in 10.8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is some language that, again, is hard for people to hear today. What did he tell them to do? He said, you guys go out and you heal the sick. Well, we're not the healer. You do it. Go heal the sick. This is not even just a good suggestion. He commanded them to do it. You go out and heal the sick. Raise the dead. Uh, did I hear that correctly? <laughs> Raise the dead. Right? Cast out demons. Well, Lord, can we do that? We've seen you do that. But us? Do it. Don't you mean, Lord, you're going to do it like through us? You do it. And then, he, of course, the language there, he said, freely you have received, freely give. What are you talking about? They had received something that enabled them to obey this command. It's not, again, talking about them just doing it like they could have done it their whole lives. No, but when a person receives something from the Lord... The anointing, the power of God, the authority to operate in His name, it now is in their possession. Listen, you as a believer, again, working with the Holy Spirit, 
But you have the ability, not a natural ability like shooting hoops or playing the piano. You have an ability from God to heal the sick. You have an ability from God when people are messed up with demonic influence and and, uh, oppression and possession. You have an ability from God to speak and command those spirits to leave exactly like the Lord did. I mean, that sounds uh, almost amazing because, listen, most Christians, we walk around like we don't have that ability. We walk around like we can't do this. Or there's got to be a special move, special anointing, a special, whoo, there's God, whoo, you feel that? The Lord didn't say that we have things when we feel them. Feelings are helpful at times. And it's be, part of the reason it's so helpful is because we're used to walking in the flesh. You, th- you, think, about, uh, you think about the anointing oil. Remember James chapter 5 talks about if anyone is sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. They'll come and anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. If he's forgiven any sins, they'll be forgiven. What's the big deal about the oil? You know, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We know oil is that. It was used in different times in the Old Testament as anointing, the power of God, the ability of God. But how many know the, anoint, the, the oil is a physical substance? Sometimes that helps people to receive healing because they literally feel something. There's a physical something that they can, their faith can be attached to as well as the spiritual side. I remember hearing a story one time of a person who was doing a meeting outside. I've done meetings outside and so forth in third world countries, though. Thank God we have buildings. Uh, but uh, they were doing a meeting outside and preaching the gospel to people. And they had some oil there that they were going to anoint people with oil to be healed uh, after they got done speaking. And this oil, though, was sitting out in the sun. And it was pretty warm outside. And they didn't really realize uh, that it was getting quite hot. And uh, I forget what the condition was, this, but this person told the story. They, they got ready to uh, minister to the sick, and they weren't of the persuasion, at least where, where they were, or I don't know what the deal was, but it was more than just a little dab of oil. You know, a little dab will do you, and you, know, and you just put a little drip on their head or something. Uh, you know, it's cleanly. It's, it's easy. People don't get their clothes messed up, but this person wasn't going to do it that way. They had a bigger thing, and they would just pour a little bit. Not like drench them, but, you know, they would just pour a little bit on each person. And, and he got to that, this first woman, and it was, I forget the condition, it was a serious problem, big disease. And, uh, and uh, nothing was said, but he took that oil and just poured some, and it was hot. And this person went, woo! <laughs> and uh, and uh, they responded because they felt something. And they weren't thinking the oil was hot or anything either. All they did was believe and when they felt something, they thought, oh, power of God. And they got miraculously healed. Well, that was what they were supposed to do. But that's an extreme case of someone attaching something to the physical realm where they could feel it at the same time. 
Amen. Likewise, many times uh, when people minister to the sick, there can be a tangible healing anointing. It's not seen, but it can be uh, sometimes when there's a tangible anointing, it's felt in the sense well, many different manifestations. I know uh, things that I've experienced is sometimes great heat when hand when I've laid hands on different people, and, and I'm not saying all the time, and, and it doesn't have to be this way, but you can see the see the point. But heat, and it's like wow, man, that's that's getting hot. And what is that? Well, it helps people say, wow, I, that, I felt that go in. Sometimes people actually just feel the power of God go in. Sometimes they can't stand. And it's just something overwhelms them. What is that? It helps them believe because they actually felt the power of God. I like that. <laughs> Don't say I have to have it, but like it. Amen. Sometimes people have, you know, d- different different sensations and different feelings and uh, sometimes people begin to shake under the power of God it's like and 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 they're not typical just you know they're not nervous or you know (laughs) drink a lot of coffee Uh, (laughs) but literally when they're prayed for and the Lord moves on them it's something and and, well you can look back through history there's groups that were called the Quakers shakers and and uh, uh, sometimes people don't why are they called that that's because at some point in their history God moved, <laughs> and uh, and they had things happen, and they prayed for people, and people literally quaked and shaked, und- shook, uh, <laughs> under the power of God. And so, you know, if that happens, then you call your church that. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's what you do. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best idea, but anyway... Jesus told them to do these things, and they were to act on what was given. It was not a matter of if they could. They were commanded to do it. He said, you've received for free. Now go give it away. And isn't the Lord saying the same thing to believers today? You've received for free. Now go give it away. How many know even with salvation, we know one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to convince or convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Do you know he's not doing, though? He's not doing that from us when does the lord the holy spirit convict a sinner when a person shares the gospel with them whether it's in a church service or out on the street or watching tv or in many different ways when does the lord move into action when the gospel is preached amen sometimes so well i got saved and no one pre yes they did at some point they did you heard the gospel somewhere, and he used it. It may have been even at a later time, but he was still working with that person to get it done. That's how he does all the things that he does. Look at John chapter 4 with me. John chapter 4. just want to stir you up tonight to work with the Lord. Allow him to do something through you. Be a blessing to someone, but you've got to take a step of faith. You've got to give away what you've got. And and this is another situation in John 4. uh, Notice with me in verse 5. So he came to to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now now Jacob 
Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria asked him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Uh, For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to her, Sir, uh, uh, well, let's just stop right there. He goes into some other stuff. But I want you to notice this, this, uh, this point here, that Jesus knew some things that were essential to his effective ministry. And how he could minister and even say these things to the woman. Jesus knew who he was. He wasn't confused. He didn't have an identity crisis. He wasn't feeling insecure like, oh, I don't have anything. Oh, I'm nothing. I'm just... No, he knew who he was. Secondly, he knew what he had. Because he told this woman, if you would have, if you knew who you were talking to, if you knew who you were talking to, now that could almost sound, it could almost sound prideful if a person were prideful. But Jesus is not, and neither should we be. But could we say something like that? Listen, if you knew who you were talking to, <laughs> could you say that? Well, if you knew who, who I was, what, are you someone special? Yeah. <laughs> what, are you famous or something? Well, in heaven I am. You can be famous in heaven, by the way, as well. Be a who's who. We're not interested in fame on this earth. Who cares if anybody knows our name on the earth? But you know who you're talking to? If you knew who was standing before you, you would act different. If you knew who was, who are you? I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm God's representative sent to your life. I'm not just talking about me. I'm speaking for you, for, for, for any believer. I'm his ambassador. I'm sent here on his behalf. He's anointed me. I'm operating on his resources, out of his supply, on his authority. I'm going in his name. So there is something that we all should carry about. And it's not confusion about where the power comes from. We understand that. Without him, we can do nothing. But I'm not without him, so I can do something. And so I walk about with the knowledge and understanding that I am not just some lazy, I'm not just some good-for-nothing human being. I am a child of God. Just like Jesus was the Son of God, we are sons of God. Are you someone special? Yes. Jesus knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Everywhere you go. You're his representative. Every day of the week, your family, at work, whatever you do, you go. You're God's representative. I tell you what, when believers get a revelation of this, the devil gets nervous. Because he wants people to think, ah, we're just a bunch of sinners. No, bought with a price. No, made brand new in him. A partaker of his divine nature. He has made me something. I received him and what he did. It worked. 
I'm literally alive in Christ. I'm free from the law of sin and death. I'm operating in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Anointed by Him. Who are you? I tell you what, we need to stand tall. Say, but I've sinned. Who cares? Knock that off. Repent and get over it. The blood's already been spilled. No use you paying for your own sin. Walking around feeling guilty and feeling ashamed and feeling like you're good for nothing. Quit that. Knock that off. Put your head up. Shoulders back. Realize you're a son of God. You are a child of the Most High. He called you. He drew you. You realize no one comes to the Father except He draw them. If you've received Him, do you know that He had you in mind? That He sought you out before you ever thought about Him and wanted to live for Him and wanted to have Him in your life? He thought about you. And He said, I want them in my family. And when someone shared the gospel, when you walked into a church, when you read the Word, a family member shared with you about Jesus, there was a tug on the inside. What was that? That was God. He said, I want you. I want you on my side. I want you in my family. I want to be with you forever. I want to make you one of my representatives here in the earth. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I'm going to give you the right to my name. God chose you for no insignificant cause, but for an eternal purpose. So who are you? Someone special. Someone's, it's time to start showing it through your eyeballs. It's time to start carrying a confidence, knowing, oh, that circumstances are subject to the name of Jesus that you walk with and possess. Amen. Jesus knew who he was. How many know he knew what he had? He knew he had something, and it's important that we know that we have something. Do you have anything? Are we empty-handed? No, we've got the goods. And Jesus also knew that he could give it away. He knew that it was in his control, in his power, to give away what he had. What was he talking about? Of course, he's talking to this woman about living water. We have the life of God. We have the Word of God. We have, uh, we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We need to know that what we possess, what He's filled us with, is not just all bottled up and sealed. You know what I'm talking about? Where, okay, this is what we have and this is what's going to get me to heaven. No, what we have is to share, is to freely give. And if the Lord gave us something, we can give it away. We can give away the life of God, the ability of His, of, of His name. We can give away healing for free. Amen. Don't have to be licensed. Don't, <laughs> don't need malpractice insurance. <laughs> but you have hands, and He said, lay them on people. That's one way that you give things away. You say, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Why don't you take some of that? Just go ahead and have some of that. <laughs> Amen. You know what happens here is the Holy Spirit begins to work. And people think, wow, all of a sudden God's moving. It's all of a sudden we found out who we are. We found out what we had. And we found out that we could give it away. 
See, does that make any difference? When you know these things, oh, confidence rises up in you. Someone comes and says, they gave me three months to live. No, no, that's a bunch of baloney. I mean, you'll you'll respond that way. How can you say that? I mean, they got doctor's reports. I don't believe it. I believe what's in me more than I believe the circumstance or the condition in your body. And I believe that me working with the Holy Spirit, there's no chance that that's going to stay in you. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 17. We were dealing with uh, some things last time in, the, in, in the, the, the first part of this message about when things don't respond immediately, what, what's, what's our response? Because again, people, especially now, don't take an offense to this, but people walking in the flesh and living in doubt and unbelief will immediately say, but what if it doesn't work? Okay, now if that's the foremost thought in your mind, I understand, okay, but you got to get out of that. Amen. It can't be, oh, well, because if I'm governed by what if it doesn't work, what if I pray for something and nothing happens, I am not in faith. I'm not knowing who I am and what I have and that I can transfer it. I don't know that if that's my first thought, okay. However, um, understanding that we never lose god never fails the god in me never cowers or backs down to any curse to any disease to any situation that's not of him he never fails and i'm working with him why should i be so concerned that if it doesn't all immediately and instantly uh change according to my expectation well, I'm just going to adjust. I'm going to do something. I'm going to stay with that until it does change. Okay? And so I'm not frightened by it. I'm not concerned with, well, what if it doesn't work? It always works. 100% of the time. The stuff that is abiding in believers, the power of God is potent. It's effective. The name of Jesus is always above every other name. And so we never back down. What if it doesn't work? Baloney, it always works. But I prayed for someone and nothing happened. So did these guys. Let's see what happened here. Matthew 17, Jesus, well, let's see. Verse 14. Let's see here. 1714. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Well, what do you mean they couldn't cure him? Didn't Jesus tell them? Go heal the sick. Go cast out demons. Raise the dead, freely you've received, freely give. Who's right? If Jesus said, go do it, give what you have, could they cure him? I'd say yes. Jesus said they could. And he told them to do it. But apparently they tried. 
nothing happened. They, he, the, the guy said, they couldn't cure him. But then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Notice the language Jesus, let me say it this way. Notice the attitude that Jesus has. He's not like, oh, well, that's all right. Um, Well, he's in more of a rebuke attitude. Like, ah, bunch of of unbelieving, whatever. (laughs) You faithless generate. Listen, that's the language Jesus used multiple times when people didn't get stuff done. And he was Mr. Kind. He is love in the flesh. But when people were supposed to believe something and they didn't, he was aggravated. I think he knew so much how much authority he had. He was so fully aware of who he was and what he could get done. And when he told someone else to do it, and they were given the ability to do so, and they didn't get it done, I think he's going, man, whatever. Bunch of faithless bums, man. What? Get the stupid devil out of him. I mean, does that kind of sound? I don't put that in my own words, but we can read his, the Lord's own words here and just go with his. Oh, faithless, you perverted generation. Bunch of pervs, bunch of <laughs> unbelieving, faithless. How long do I have to be with it? Man, can I just get done with this and get out of here? I'm tired of hanging around you guys. Why don't you get the job done? <laughs> Verse 18. And Jesus, let me add something in here. This is, and Jesus, after he rebuked them, <laughs> rebuked the demon. Jesus rebuked the demon and was God, ah, come on. Now come out. Same thing he did with the storm when they were in the boat. He's like, you guys, now peace, be still. He's talking to them. He's talking to the storm. It's like same flow. <laughs> Jesus rebuked the demon and it what? It came out of him. That's what's supposed to happen. And the child was cured, cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your stinking unbelief. That's the Greek. No, he just said, because of your unbelief. What's the reason? Unbelief. Why could they not cast them out? Jesus said. Unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. How many things? Nothing. Nothing will be impossible to you. What what does that mean? That you have success every time. You always win. Say, what if it doesn't work? I don't believe it doesn't work. I don't believe it doesn't work. Say, what should they have done? Well, I'll tell you one thing. We'll read the next verse too. Don't fear about that. Uh, But i tell you one thing is I don't think they should have quit. 
I don't think when the disciples went to the boy and said, come out, assuming that's what they said, that's like they were instructed to do by the Lord, and they didn't see an immediate result, they shouldn't go, well, man, I wonder why that didn't work. Win some, you lose some. Guess you never really know what God's going to do. That's unbelief to stop. It's unbelief to quit and say, well, I don't know what to do here. Sometimes you got to stay with it. Sometimes you do need to find out what to do different or what the problem is, right? We're not oblivious to the fact that if something isn't changing, something needs to change so that things will change, okay? And we are, I, I don't mean to throw rocks at anyone. Or uh, Listen, I think we're all growing, and we're all learning how to operate just like Jesus did. But that is the potential of every believer to operate like he did. He said, nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, uh, one of my first thoughts when I first read this is I thought, well, if this, if this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, how did Jesus do it? He didn't go pray and fast. He didn't say, hold on. I got to go skip lunch. Or I got to go fast a couple days, pray, I'll be back, then we'll deal with this demon. Jesus just responded immediately. And yet, when he said the reason for them not being able to cast it out, he said it was unbelief. And yet he said here, however, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. That tells me that prayer and fasting are connected to unbelief because what what did they need they needed to not unbelieve but he said you've got to pray and fast i don't think again he was intending for them well if you ever deal with this situation you got to leave it and go pray and fast and then come back i don't ever see the lord operating that way but what is he saying I believe he's telling them that you need to live this way. You need to live a fasted life. You need to live a life of prayer where you don't go days between praying. Amen. Fasting has to do with putting your flesh under. You live where you're not being dominated by the flesh. How many know Jesus taught us in Mark 11 and verse 23? He said, basically without going through that, he, said, he taught us that faith is of the heart. If we would believe in our heart, or not doubt in our hearts, what he said there in 23, but in Romans chapter, chapter uh, 10, he said that we believe with the heart unto salvation. Where does faith come from? Our believer is the heart. Our believer is the inward man. Prayer and fasting affect the outward man. When I pray and fast, I'm dealing with the outside or the part that would, t would uh, lead me to operate in unbelief. 
The outward side is the kind that says, I'm going to believe what I see and what I feel. And if I don't see an immediate result, or if I think, man, epilepsy, I haven't dealt with that one before. I mean, no, the flesh thinks, oh, this one's harder. This one's more difficult. But if a person is living their life consistently with a, with a good prayer life, in other words, what's that? They're in communication with God. They're, they know they're getting direction. They're living in communion with, with Him. They're not living a fleshly life. Flesh does not cast out demons. Flesh does not heal the sick. How many know the physical contact of my hand or your hand on a sick person does not heal them? Right? If that were true, if it was just simply physical contact, physical hands, we would all just cruise to the hospital and go run by all the rooms. And we would clean them out, wouldn't we? But we realize we're talking about spiritual power. We're talking about anointing and working with the Holy Spirit, not just a physical activity. Therefore, what we, what we think what we believe when we minister, when we lay hands on someone, that causes spiritual activity to take place. Jesus was absolutely convinced. I believe Jesus lived perfect, sinless life. And he was in constant communion with the Father. He was not being flesh-led. That's a fasted life. Okay? And, uh, and so he was always ready for any kind of circumstance any kind of disease, any kind of demon, and he was always personally prepared. If so, so what, what was the deal? I mean, if something is cast out and it doesn't come out, whose fault is it? Not that we're really searching for, I don't think blame is the most important thing, but Jesus, I, I, let, me, let me put it this way. The receiving of healing and miracles and those kind of things there's usually two people involved in this case it was the father receiving on behalf of the son could the father have made up the gap he could have in other words the father could have believed and helped the situation just like parents have an opportunity today to believe on behalf of their children right young children but what's necessary is that someone believe that God is moving and that God will move, that the name has authority, that things leave when we speak, all that. Someone needs to believe that. Ideally, easiest case is both. Okay? But sometimes even when one is not, the other can get a whole lot done. Because even in this situation, it seems that the Lord was talking to His disciples and saying, you could have gotten this thing out. Because I don't know what the boy's father believed necessarily. But I do know that Jesus came up and cast it out. And it came out. When we get to a place, and I don't want to use that language. Let me back off. I don't think that helps. I don't want to act like this is out there somewhere. I don't want to act like, well, we've got a lot of work to do to get there. Let me, let me just teach and correct myself. <laughs> I don't want to imply that, well, if you, keep, if you stay on this track, you know, and if you keep studying these things and you keep praying and you miss a lot of meals, you might eventually see some of this. That's a wrong mindset. 
you and I are sons of God today. We have his name and his authority now. There's no doubt in my mind that as we work with the Holy Spirit, one-two punch here, we're working together, that we will get better because we become more sensitive. And that's one of the reasons for prayer and fasting as well. How many know one of the reasons we do that is to become more sensitive to the Lord? And the Lord, and, and the Lord will lead us to do different things. And if, so, say, something's not working, I know, but I have the one inside, inside of me who knows how to do everything. So I will not quit. I will not give up. I'm going to listen. And the more I live that kind of lifestyle, I get better at perceiving what the Lord wants me to do. But I don't want to put this off and, and, and just kind of imply that, well, it's going to take us a while to get there. No, we are there. We are there. We are here right now. You as a child of God can do these things today. It's been, we've been given the impression at different times that it's, it takes a big, long process to get in faith. For a Christian to believe, well, man, you've got to start confessing the word thousands of times a day, and it might take you a few years. I don't see that in the word, and I believe in speaking the word. Do that. But there were so many people that Jesus ministered to, that the Apostle Paul ministered to, other ones, where they heard the word once. Said, yeah, I believe that. Acts 14, Paul preached the gospel to those guys, I think at Lystra. And, uh, and the guy was sitting there crippled from his mother's womb. And the Bible said the guy believed. Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. He was just listening to Paul's preaching. Guy had been crippled all his life. Here's Paul preach once and gets faith to be healed. Walks out of the meeting. Comes in, drug in, walks out. Heard it once. This is not a big, long process. Well, we've really got to work on this. No, we just need to act like who we are. <laughs> we just need to act like, we're, like we have something. Believe that we are something in Christ. And act like this today. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is helping us. Because He's been waiting on someone to do something. To be a doer of the Word. To act on what He has promised so he can come right alongside and help. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you tonight for being with us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who teaches and guides, leads us in the way that we should go. Lord, we believe that we are not alone. We are not helpless. We are not without comfort. We are not without strength, but we've got the powerhouse. We've got the source of all goodness and all solutions and all victory living inside of each and every believer. Father, I thank you for doing good works, and I thank you that we do good works in your name. Showing a real true God, a loving Father, to the world all around. Praise God. Lord, for this we thank you. This we give you praise. 
Father, I pray for those who have come tonight that have never been born again. I ask that you touch their hearts.